I'm Robin. And I'm Wayne. We're investors at VMG Partners, and we help build iconic consumer brands. Every day, some of the world's most fascinating founders share their stories with us before they've made it. Their highs and lows. Mistakes and triumphs. But always extraordinary results. And now we're sharing these stories with you. This is Unfinished Biz. So much of what we're about is these teachable moments and learning while you snack. On this episode of Unfinished Biz, the Bitsy's founders, Alex Buckley, Maggie Patton, and Gabrielle Union are all mothers who seek the healthiest options for their kids, but decided that forming a company to reach as many kids as possible was the right thing to do. I'm in a food space, never really been in food, been in beverages, light, but I'm, I'm diving headfirst into an industry that I, I don't know a ton about, so I'm relying you know, very heavily on Maggie and, and Alex. Find out how Alex, Maggie, and Gabrielle brought their shared visions together to create a single goal, why things were a little tough at times, and where Bitsy's is expanding next. Unfinished Biz starts now. Unfinished Biz has been away for a minute, so the following interview is actually remote, so it sounds a little different. I'm super excited about this first episode, though. I know, Wayne, you've known these founders for quite some time. Yeah, you know, as I look back, it's I think it's been close to a decade since I met Alex and Maggie when they first um, started Bitsies, and it's been interesting just to, to be a friend throughout that journey of seeing how they've navigated their entrepreneurial path with Bitsies including just uh, you know a number of different iterations. And I think this net latest iteration is a really interesting one in how they're bringing Gabrielle Union as the third co-founder of, of the business to really think about Bitsy's 2.0. And we caught up with Alex Buckley, Maggie Patton, and Gabrielle Union to tell us a little bit more about their journey. Let's bring it on. So starting with you, Maggie, how did your entrepreneurial journey begin? I think... Like all things, it started in childhood for me, just with that entrepreneurial mindset. Um, my dad actually kept a poster behind his desk growing up. And I, I don't want to say he's a failed entrepreneur, but he tried to start a lot of things around green energy in the early 80s. And that was not really a time when people were having that conversation. And um, so I grew up the child of someone trying to start things and solve problems and a mother who was working in schools and doing a lot of social work. And that shaped my mindset of problem solving and looking at social issues. But really, I think in, in adulthood, it started in a lot of ways when Alex and I met around a shared idea of creating and growing an organization together. How did you and Alex first meet, by the way? I don't, I don't know if I even asked you this in the past. Um, a mutual friend called me up and was like, you have to meet this woman. She's like your soulmate. And she wants to start a nonprofit to get kids involved in service and service learning and social emotional development. And um, Alex came by our office and another woman on our team. I was actually up at a school in the, in the Bronx that day. And she said, you better come down here right now because you're going to love this woman so much. And she's in our office and you guys have to meet. And the rest is history. We're now basically married with six children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, having, having known the two of you for almost a decade, I certainly as an outsider looking and feel like you were soulmates. So I have not met your respective significant others, but you know, the two of you certainly seem like soulmates and were meant to be. I mean, I feel like that way. Alex may think I'm an appendage she'll never get rid of. (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about your first entrepreneurial journey together between with you and Alex. So we 
started, an, well, we joined a nonprofit and then really grew it together, um, where the mission was to empower kids through volunteering and service to look at different issues that impacted their lives um, and build out programming around that. And um, one of the programs that we built together was actually around childhood obesity and health and wellness and really looking at the foods that kids had access to and how could we empower the kids to get involved in changing their own health and, and wellness. And honestly, that was really the journey that led us to Bitsy's too. How did that come to be? Did you, you know, in that nonprofit side of things, did you, did you see that issue and want to solve it through commercial enterprise? Like how you didn't see a solution out there. So you wanted to solve it yourself. Yes. By the way, that is a serious water bottle that Gabrielle Union has. That is no joke. Sorry. I, I, I got distracted by the, the largest water bottle I've ever seen before. So I, that's impressive stuff. Um, <laughs> folks on the folks on the podcast can't see this, but this is a serious water bottle. Maggie, so transitioning into business, how did you figure out how to start a food business? Wayne, it's taken us a long time. <laughs> we uh, honestly did a lot of research. Thank goodness. Google had been invented at that point. I guess we were searching the internet, researching, 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 asking anyone that we knew that was remotely connected into this world. And it was definitely one of those things where like, you don't know what you don't know. And honestly, we didn't overanalyze it. We just started doing it. And um, we were still working in nonprofit, started baking up our recipes, started researching like what we would want the ingredients and nutrition to be for children, just sort of jumped in to the waters. How did you and Alex, you know, maybe Alex can take this one. How did the two of you decide on who was going to do what initially? A really good question too. We'd sort of say, you Google this and I'll Google that. We were both juggling and continue to be juggling an awful lot. And so I think we just divided and conquered the best way we could figure, but it, we didn't, there was no real rhyme or reason. It was just, it felt like a lot to do and there were two of us. So what Got was it. the first big break for iteration one for Bitsy's? I think you were probably there for that, Wayne. I mean, early on when we were first launching the brand, we were approached by Target and they were in the middle of running the Made to Matter program. And um, we were part of that last year of the Made to Matter collection. That really gave us a chance, I think, not only to look at what we were doing and go on a ride where I think we saw where the brand was working, where the challenges were. It was our first real experience with buyers changing and changes inside of a retailer. I still remember the moment we sat on the ground at a trade show floor and you and Alex said, we got every store at Target. And I remember, I remember us having the conversation of like, well, you're, you're all in now. Yeah. I remember that very well too. I think you were like, don't screw this up. <laughs> well, I think I was a lot kinder than that. I thought I was, you know, I think something like maybe you should take some considerations, maybe some 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 nicer way. But yes, you're right. It was probably don't screw it up. That's a big, you know, that's a big deal. That doesn't sound like you at all. So <laughs> I'm actually curious, how did the name come about too? It came about a series of events. One, Alex's brother sending us to meet with this guy who he had met who was randomly obsessed with baked goods and cookies. And we'd already made the cookies. And he had done all this scientific research on cookie names and snack brands and baked goods. And so that experience of seeing, he actually had in his house, like lined up every single product everywhere in this display. So we did that. And then I think we wanted a name that 
represented kind of this idea of a bit more good, a bit of all these good things that were culminating in the product and, um, and also something that could be easily said by children. Mm-hmm. And it just came in a parking lot in front of hands-on Atlanta. <laughs> on <a bus. laughs> I mean, I know exactly, you know, in these journeys, you know exactly where you were at every moment. One fact that folks may not even know, it used to be called Bitsy's brain food. When did the brain food part get dropped? And and why? I mean, we still sometimes weave in that idea because so much of what we're about is these teachable moments and learning while you snack. We shortened it again because we just, it was, it was a lot, you know, and yeah. I think the feedback that people have given us along the way is like, you guys are saying a lot and simplify. And again, summarizing kind of that 2012 to 2020 sort of time frame. what was a major challenge that you, that you encountered along that journey of trying to be a healthy kid snack brand? I think the main challenge was that there really weren't brands that were built for kids. And really our, our, our background had been in kid. It had been in nonprofit. We really set out to create a truly kid facing brand. And I think no one really had any idea what we were talking about when we said that they kind of said, well, there's baby. And we said, no, you know, that's, that's not, that's not what we're trying to do. And so I think initially it was just sort of that hurdle of trying to get people to understand what we were about. You're 100% right. You know, the, you have your core snack set, you have your quote unquote baby set, but no one really has a kid's snacking aisle, as you mentioned, or you have the miscellaneous healthy snacks that has like the fruit and vegetable chips. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they put some seaweed snacks and make it be a hodgepodge of all, all yeah. sorts of things. You know, it comes back to an awareness issue, I think, that what you're talking about, which I think we'll get into in Bitsy's iteration too. Uh, Gabrielle, how did your entrepreneurial journey begin? Um, it started with with loving wine. Um, I, I I love a cocktail, as 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 folks know. I try to stay on brand. My book was called "We're gonna need We're gonna need more wine." So I love wine. It was a natural. Thing. It's a great philosophy, by the way. We all need more wine. You know, and I was approached by um, the Troussard family up in Napa about doing my own wine, and we were going to call it Vanilla Puddin', and it was going to be this cute, fun, you know, thing. And um, meanwhile, my husband, you know, who's really super into wine, was going into business with the Palmyra family, also of Napa, in a much bigger way, and created D Wade Cellars. And here we were. Vanilla pudding, you know, you know, for all the serious wine drinkers out there. And we were sold in Total Wine and More. And we were, you know, kind of available everywhere. And we were doing very well. But very well in the wine business is like not much. The amount of work I was putting in was not matching the return. And around that time, we were getting married. And my husband was like, so when are you going to take my name? And I was like, ah. You know, I, I'd gotten married before my first marriage. I didn't take the last name. I thought it turned out to be a great, uh, great move. Um, so I was a little hesitant to pull the trigger. And finally, when I pulled the trigger, I was like, well, now I'm a Wade. And this is going to create a bit of confusion with D. Wade Sellers and... And G. Wade and G. Wade Sellers? And G. Wade Sellers. <laughs> Vanilla Pudding. And I realized that like what I, why I got into it, this love of wine, this love of cocktails, like the communal nature of it all, um, isn't enough to sustain a, my entrepreneurial you know, spirit. And when it came to our bigger family picture, Dwayne's wine business is massive and it's global and it's a serious wine business for serious wine drinkers. 
And it also became a, a, a little disingenuous because what I didn't also understand for wide produced wines, they, they kind of take feedback and apply it to how the wine is made. So that first in, incarnation of, of vanilla pudding tasted for, to me, amazing, you know, like buttery aftertakes, accents, if you will. <laughs> um, but then, you know, they started getting, you know, consumer feedback and some of our consumers wanted a sweeter wine. I hate sweet wines. It, they literally make me gay. And so here I was kind of put in this position of selling something I actually didn't like. Yeah. And, and it was, you know, becoming confusing with my husband's wine. And so I just stopped realizing the difference between liking something and having a passion about something and making sure those passions are aligned with who I actually am and, and um, being super authentic about anything I put, you know, my name on. By the way, what year was this, by the way, just a dimensionalized time frame? When was um, that? I think it started before we got married. So it was like probably 20 or 2014, 2013, 14. Yeah. And then I probably stopped like maybe around 2017 around there. So somewhere around there. Yep. And of course now my D Wade sellers is everywhere. It used to really just be, you know, in, in just in China and a couple places in Miami. And now it's, everywhere and there's probably like seven varietals it's it's amazing Absolutely. and i'm a wade and so it all kind of works together um <laughs> but with but, but with bitsies you know here that you know successful brand you know that that maggie and alex you know created and i just became a fan of the brand and another mom asked me where i got it and i realized i'm going to sound like a jackass because it's actually not available everywhere and the price point at the time was higher than you know most of my mom friends with regular jobs you know can afford and i was like well well, let's just reach out to them let's see if they're open to some feedback it was just really about like feedback like maybe if you want to spread this message like a little wider maybe we can try or you guys can try to get them into stores that are everywhere and all you know across all socioeconomic groups and maybe lowering the price and the next so, thing you know, they're like, how about you come along, come on on board. So how did you, how did you reach out actually? I'm so curious. Was it just, just like just a- my team, as I do with everything. I have like <laughs> my, my team at CAA. I just reach out. Like, like there's a number of different companies that I'm just a fan of. Yeah. And it, sometimes it just is like fan mail. I'm just mm-hmm. like, tell them I love them. You know, if there's anything I can do just organically without any- kind of, you know, um, business tie. I'd love to promote the brand, you know, organically because we yeah. actually eat it or we like it or we wear it or whatever. And so when they reached out to, to the ladies, it was more of just suggestions and wanting to make sure that these great products are everywhere. And I don't look like a jerk, like a, like an, like an actress. Right. That's like, oh, well, oh, Bitsies, you can only get that. But the other actresses. And then it just started out like a, an organic conversation about wanting to provide healthier snacks to more people and what that could potentially look like. And we just, we have, we're kindred spirits and we have, you know, similar morals and values. And it just kind of became like a, a natural, you guys want to do this? <laughs> you know, what? it can't hurt, you know? How do you think about these different platforms that that you get involved in. Do you and your team, do you map out certain different categories that you want to be in? I'm like, we'd love to hear a little bit about your thoughts on the hair care space too, on your flawless brand and yeah. what you started in 2017 and what we understand to be a new restart now. But do you think about, I have segments of personal care or beauty that I'll be in and this, and maybe different segments of food. How do you think about that? 
Well, I, I have to mix in, you know, more like some endorsement, you know, opportunities where I'm not building part of a uh, building of a company just, you know, to kind of mitigate some of that risk. So I, it's kind of a bit more of a balance, but it has to be things that I actually love and I'm passionate about yeah. and things that, that work, uh, that things that are effective, things that were our morals and values, uh, top to bottom in the company are in alignment. Uh, I, I don't put up with BS at all. I, I, I can't. I, I can't, I just don't, I, there's just, life is too short life to deal short, with yeah. um, problematic folks. So with Bitsy's, it was just a matter of like, of reaching out, just like, I, I like this product, you know, what do you guys, let's, let's just have a dialogue. But when we reached out, like with, uh, with Flawless, I was approached about doing a hairline and in, in probably 2015, and it took a couple years to get all the formulas and, and all of that. And I was, it was something I was really proud of, except I was going through IVF and my hair fell out. So I'm, I'm creating this line called Flawless and I'm, I'm, I have like massive bald spots all over and they didn't want to delay. And our ownership, our investment group um, at the time, uh, it was not black owned. Um, I had a tiny little piece and you could see, you could tell. Um, and so when I asked to, to like delay, you know, our launch, they were like, no, just wear a wig. And I'm like, I'm trying to launch natural hair care, you know, like products and kind of be able to see my own hair. And they're like, who's going to notice? And, and these are the moments where if you're, if you're selling something to a consumer that you're like to a group that you're not a part of, it might be a good idea to not center yourself in the conversation. And, and the previous group was not centering the needs of the black woman that's, whose name is on the products, much less our, our consumers. So I knew that we had a two-year deal. And when that deal was, was up, Immediately, I was like, I need to wrestle control back of this yep. brand, make sure that it is majority black owned and led, um, not just black fronted and take charge of everything in front of and behind the scenes. So from marketing and PR, black, black owned companies, you yep. know, representing us and just really centering the needs and the voices of, of black women um, with texture and, and black and brown women with textured hair. And it's uh, it's night and day. Um, it's it's actually night and day. So when we talk about Bitsies, like we're three moms with large families. We love this, this notion of like co-eating, if you will, you know, like you were talking about, like when you're, when you're shopping, there's not separate aisles, you know, so you kind of need snacks that adults are going to eat the same with the kids in our household, you know, perhaps when we're having cocktails, sunset cocktails, <laughs> we might be eating the baby snacks and that's fine. But uh, we wanted to make sure that that we created a line of snacks that adults and kids, you know, could eat and learn from and be inspired by at a price point that is reasonable. That's available everywhere, but everything has to be in alignment. And so for me, the the risk, if if you would say that, call that at all, is um, I'm I'm in a food space. Never really been in food. Been in beverages, light. Um, <laughs> But I'm I'm diving headfirst into an industry that I I don't know a ton about, so I'm relying you know very heavily on Maggie and, and Alex. Um, but it's exciting, and then I have like you know New York and Company. That's an it's a mixture of of equity and an endorsement you know money and opportunities that kind of allow me to balance it out. Um, and if I can lend my voice to elevating you know a company and making it more inclusive, hell yeah, I'm gonna jump at that every time. I think you're gonna love the food and beverage industry, because it's one that's a true community. So I think as you think about a lot of different industries that have a lot of sharp elbows, this isn't one of them. 
it's a very it's a very warm community where where the food and beverage community is trying to serve a greater good, which is to help democratize healthy food for the masses. And I think that's a theme that you've that you've brought up. And in, in that, there's been a lot of progress that even since the beginning of Bitsy's about a decade ago, there's been a lot of progress, not necessarily in kids-specific snacking. And I think, you know, really excited to see that, you know, the, the three of you really tackle that. But, you know, it's a community where everybody's trying to serve the greater good and through that process, support each other as entrepreneurs in order to get to, to, to drive towards that mission. So even though you're saying you're new to the space, I think what you're going to find is, if, if, if you immerse yourself within that ecosystem, you're going to find it's one that where everybody wants to help each other. So. Good. Because <laughs> I'm at the mercy of, of everybody. So tell, just, tell us a little bit more, you know, maybe back to Maggie, Alex, and, and, and Gabrielle. As a, tell us more about Bitsy's 2.0 and, and, and the vision. In many ways, Gab has brought us back to a space to be able to I think really come from our hearts and where we started with with kids and access and affordability. I think, like you said, a lot has changed since Alex and I brought our like tissue paper stuffed like prototype boxes, and and <laughs> we're like, we're kids. Is there anyone here that buys kids? And people are like, no. We're we're now n- not in a place where it's like, okay, can we take you in at, at this at retailer X? We're really being very very focused on what we're creating, reformulations around price, really strategizing around how are we reaching all kids? That makes sense. And, and similar to the question that we started with, how, how will you, the three of you as co-founders of Bitsy's 2.0, how do you think about who's doing what and how, how does the chemistry work between, I know that you and you and Alex have um, the two of you have a long working history. How do you fold Gabrielle in and how do you develop that chemistry and flow? Alex, you want to tackle that one? Sure. You know, I think the beautiful thing is that we've kind of had that chemistry and flow from literally day one. I mean, when we Gab <clears throat> talks about values and our values being aligned, you know, a brand is really, it's it's an expression of values. And I think to Maggie's point, Gabrielle's coming on board is really giving us the space to to realize our values and realize our mission in a way that we've had always hoped and always dreamed to do, but but that I think now gives us a real voice and a platform. I mean, I think we all have a, a baseline of trust among one another already, um, a respect for one another, and a vision that we share. So I, it's been really seamless and just so exciting. Right after the break, we'll be back with our featured guests, Alex Buckley, Maggie Patton, and Gabrielle Union of Bitsies. Unfinished Biz is a VMG Partners production. Subscribe for free on the podcast app of your choice and visit us at unfinishedbiz.com. Follow us on our Unfinished Biz LinkedIn page for news and updates in addition to each new episode. And if you love the show, we'd love an iTunes review, but only five stars. But now let's get back to our episode with Bitsies Gabrielle Union, Alex Buckley, and Maggie Patton. One of the questions that we love to ask that Robin loves to ask, maybe Robin, you can ask your question and maybe Maggie and Alex can, can, uh, can, can first tackle then, then Gabrielle. And, and the, the answer could be that it hasn't happened quite yet, but um, do you guys feel like there has been a bet the company moment in Bitsy's history? Yeah. I mean, I feel like there have been so many in a lot of ways. I feel like we've been, we've been betting 
betting on, we've been betting the company from day one. And, but a big part of, I think what we're betting on is really this, this collective ability of brands like Bitsy's and retailers and folks who really, who care about all kids and families to come together and to think together and to really be strategic together and to align those values with action. And so I think, I think we're betting on something much bigger than than Bitsy's, although we've certainly had our tangible bet the company moments too. <laughs> and as an observer, you know, I think you've had a number of them. And I think, I think, I think part of it is Bitsy's 2.0 is a big bet the company moment myself, just in, in as an outsider looking at it. I think it's a great, this is a great transition point for the brand, but I think you have the opportunity to make, to really change a whole industry. And this moment is today and very excited to, to have you all on the show. Gabrielle, do you have a, a bet the company moment? Maybe since you're just joining Bitsy's, do you have one related to either maybe the wine or or the or or your hair care business or otherwise? Yeah, flawless 2.0. Having that moment of where people you're strongly encouraged to keep you know certain price points very high to keep the profit margins, you know, wide. And I was like, but if we're really trying to make this accessible, we're actually kind of jerks if we, you know create these amazing products that work and are effective and that actually helped me. We create, you know, we include ingredients that actually help me grow my hair back. And then we price everybody who needs them like out of it. We're actually jackasses. So here we are. How about nothing is over $10? And it was like crickets. And I was like, <laughs> did I play myself out the box before <laughs> like I even had a chance to like get restarted? And then it was like a slow clap moment. And they were like, yes, yes. It was like that moment in Boomerang where it was like, strong J. You know, like trying to get people on board with with, um, making things more accessible is a lot more challenging because everyone's like, let's swing for the fences. And I'm like, or we can go for some base hits. Sure and steady wins the race. And how about a little bit of, humility into the business plan. And it's not about exploiting our community. It's about making great, you know, great products that are actually affordable and accessible. And how about maybe not putting the products in, you know, stores that, you know, kind of demonize our audience. How about we go and, you know, put our our products into a store that are actually in the black and brown communities that we're trying to target. And they were like, huh. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but it's, you know, sometimes it's kind of like that moment you, uh, with you guys when we were talking to uh, the group about tastes and flavors. And I was like, I don't know how much I'm supposed to say here. And I, there's only one way to say, like, if we're trying to create, you know, um, different flavor profiles for, you know, uh, children of color, we have to get over some of these stigma of, you know, I'm using my finger quotes here, kids, white people food. Yeah. And there's this idea that white people food is without taste and flavor. And um, if we're going to, you know, try to broaden our consumer base, then we, we got to have this conversation, guys. And I was like, is this the best? Of, is this the moment that, I'm, that, that they kick me out? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I think that episode really highlighted is that entrepreneurship is hard for everyone. It doesn't matter if you're Gabrielle Union, you've got a huge fan base. Or if you're someone who's actually coming more from you know the volunteer seg- sector, it, you're you're gonna have pitfalls. You're gonna have obstacles. It's really not a gilded path for pretty much anyone. No, and it, I think we saw that with it all takes resilience and persistence no matter what. And we saw that with Alex and Maggie 
through their initial journey at Bitsy's and with two with the Bitsy's 2.0 with Gabrielle Union joining and even Gabrielle herself, where her first initial venture in the wine space, she ended up shutting down. And then she transitioned into hair care that she's recently rebooted as well. And only fitting where she's joining Alex and Maggie for Bitsy's 2.0, where at least initial indications, the chemistry is pretty tremendous between these three co-founders. And the chemistry was apparent in how they answered their rapid fire questions as well. All right, time for our signature game, our rapid fire game or an unfinished biz. Maggie, Alex, and Gabrielle, you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Maggie, to start with you, do you have any funny nicknames? Arch. <laughs> Alex? Dutch. Dutch. Gabrielle, funny nicknames. The real G unit. I love that. Uh, what were you the last time you wore a costume for Halloween? Maggie? The woman that was in Harry Potter. We did a full family Harry Potter thing this wow. year. Wow. I was that teacher with the big glasses. And- uh, same full family Halloween, Superwoman. Superwoman. Gabrielle? Mm. I was myself. I played uh, the character of Isis. I went as Isis from Bring It On. Oh, oh nice. Robin, I told you we're going to have a Bring It On reference here. Boom. I there lose we that go. bet. What's the most used app on your phone, Maggie? Instagram. Alex? Probably NY Times Crossword. Gabrielle? Words with friends. Uh, what sports team are you most loyal to, Maggie? Probably UVA basketball, maybe. Perfect. Alex? Carolina Tar Heels. Gabrielle. Nebraska Cornhuskers. <laughs> nice. What's your go-to karaoke song, Maggie? Love is a Battlefield. Oh, I love that. See, that that was your most definitive answer yet. Alex? Take it to the limit. <laughs> Gabrielle? I, I knew I loved you, ladies. Mine is uh, Love Will Keep Us Together by Captain Antonio. Oh, <laughs> nice. Well, the very last question we have on Unfinished Biz, and love for all three of you to quickly answer. Uh, Maggie, what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs? Don't let your light get put out by what you hear from other people. Keep believing. Don't stop believing. The next karaoke. That's right. <laughs> love it. Love it. Alex? Uh, lead with your heart. Great. Gabrielle? Don't ever underestimate your value and what you bring to the table. Very wise words from all three of you. Again, thank you, Maggie, Alex, and Gabrielle for joining us on Unfinished Biz. No, thank you, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to Unfinished Biz. I'm Wayne. And I'm Robin. We'll be back with another episode soon. Who's it going to be? These are the opinions of Robin and Wayne and our guest entrepreneur and are not necessarily the opinions and thoughts of VMG partners. And now a word from our lawyers. This is not an offer to buy or sell any events. Entrepreneurs interviewed on this podcast may not be associated with VMG businesses and discussions of their companies should not be viewed as an endorsement by VMG.